Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the first ever edition of the PowerCat pregame podcast via YouTube and also our podcast networks it's available everywhere if you want to listen only because i'm not presentable i don't mean to worry anyone but here we are with the first pregame show of the season and the lava lamp burned out i don't i don't know it's not it's not good we are previewing today kansas state and southeast missouri state from here on out referenced as simo and of course we will also uh, be doing the odds at the end of the show, and I'll have my regular lineup, Brian Hanley, Ryan Wallace, and Ryan Gilbert to handle it. Uh, the game kicks off at 6 p.m., Bill Snyder Family Stadium, and if you can't attend, it is on streaming only on ESPN+. And as always, we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. Absolutely no reason to mess around. Let's just bring in the man, the legend, as I have a little glitch here, <laughs> Brian Hanley, uh, to start talking about Kansas State football um, and this pseudo pregame show of SEMO. We're not going to get into too much of SEMO. Don't worry. Uh, I didn't do very much scouting myself, Big B. First of all, Brian, how are you doing, man? I am doing well, man. Thank you for asking. I am doing well. Can't wait for the season to get rolling. Yeah, I am fired up myself. Um, we'll see how everything goes for the Wildcats, if they can stay healthy. And really, that's that's the key for any team, isn't it? Just stay healthy as best you can uh, without, you know, getting into too many severe injuries. And K-State seems to be starting that way. Christian Duffy is the only solid out for sure for this game. And it, it might be multiple games, but it's not season ending ever either. Yeah, got to stay healthy. I mean, getting through any game, you want to be healthy, getting through the preseason. But, you know, as far as what we're doing right now, um, health is a huge, huge thing. Getting your work in, don't get me wrong, the first game of the year is important, yeah. but health is clearly the most important thing. Yeah, totally agree. Um, and that health starts with Will Howard. Uh, K-State can't keep quarterbacks healthy for the most part. Uh, Zach Carlson on our podcast yesterday read some stunning information that um, that we've actually had quarterbacks go full seasons within recent memories. Jake Waters, um, Jesse Ertz did so. Skyler Thompson did so in 2019. It doesn't seem that way, but I think if I memory serves me right, they all finished playing injured, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, a, a hurt, maybe I should say, uh, which is common of a lot of players, but keeping your quarterback healthy is so important. Um, and Will Howard uh, is such a key to this team. I guess that was a long setup just to ask you, what are your thoughts on Will Howard and, and his potential as Kansas State's quarterback for the first time as the starting quarterback, even though he's a senior? You know, I mean, the turnaround for for Will Howard has just been incredible. I mean, last year when he had to come in the game, I mean, there were a lot of K-State fans out there, myself included, that were just like, I don't know, man. I don't know if this is going to work. Uh, but 
the progression and how much better he got. I don't think a lot of fans knew, and I know myself, I didn't know. He was only 17 when he first started playing at K-State. That's young. I mean, that is a young human being, you know, and as you get older, you get more experience. He started to fill out. His body's gotten bigger. He's gotten stronger. He's just gotten better. So the for this season, for, for number one, for him to have so many snaps and so many starts under his belt, it's crazy to think that this is his first year being the actual starting quarterback on opening day. It can't be anything but good, not only for him, but for Kansas State in general. Yeah, I totally agree. And and uh, behind him will be a new running back. The security blanket that is Deuce Vaughn is gone. He, he made uh, things kind of easy on the Kansas State football team at times. We saw it in the Big 12 Championship when he absolutely turned a broken down play into a touchdown run. DJ Giddens and Treshawn Ward are listed as an or on the depth chart. I think DJ Giddens being the the new the returning guy will get the first snaps. My uh, cohorts around here think it will be um, Treshawn Ward. But we're hearing incredible things about Treshawn Ward. This could still be a really effective running game. It just won't be with Deuce Vaughn. Right. Uh, I just – I think people should – how should I put this? Deuce Vaughn was outstanding. There's nothing bad that you can say about him. Number number one as a person, but as a football player, Deuce Vaughn was outstanding. I think people should not expect the same type of production, but don't be surprised if we don't have this massive drop-off with who we have in the backfield. People are going to be surprised at how good Treshawn Ward is. They really are. He got, I mean, he was the starting running back at Florida State before he got hurt. He was the guy. And Florida State was playing well uh, while he was the starting running back. So don't be surprised on how good he – and D.J. Giddens, I mean, we saw it last year in, in, in limited opportunities. The guy's incredible. He's incredible. I mean, so I, I know Deuce isn't there. I'm just telling people, don't be surprised if you don't see this massive drop-off in the production from the K-State running backs because I don't think it's going to be there. Depth at receiver is an ongoing concern. Yeah. Um, they've got some young guys that just have to develop quickly um, to get onto the field, uh, but they have Phillip Brooks back. Um, R.J. Garcia moves into the Cade Warner position, and now Keegan Johnson takes the place of Malik Knowles. Uh, Keegan Johnson, of course, coming in from Iowa. They're fired up about this kid. When, when we ask offensive coaches and offensive players about weapons they bring up keegan johnson apparently he's been a little nicked up but he will play saturday from overhearing um with all respect to malik Knowles, i i don't feel like k-state's had a reliable deep threat go-to receiver in a few years no i mean malik Knowles did what he did um I, i i was always a person i don't know that he always that we got the best out of him um, and not to the coach's fault, I just think, or maybe we did get the best out of him, and that's all that he, he could do. I just always felt like there was a little bit more, a little bit more that we could have gotten, especially explosive plays down the field. Uh, so we haven't really had that, um, but we're going to have that now. Uh, I, I'm just telling you, uh, this kid is really, really good, um, and it ought to be exciting to see the ball go down the field. And you know what? We can push the ball down the field when not only when we want to, 
but when we need to, we're going to be able to do it and not just think, okay, we're throwing the ball down the field, uh, incomplete, we're punting. Not anymore. Not anymore. It's a dig- it'll be a different offense. And I got I to gotta ask you, I'd ask anyone, but it's so important with you as a former offensive lineman, how fired up are you to see this offensive line with all these guys <laughs> returning? Yeah, Christian Duffy's hurt, but uh, for right now, but it's it's rare that you get a pot the possibility of seniors all across your line. If Taylor Portier takes over that guard spot from Hadley Panzer, that will be the case when Duffy comes back. But man, anytime you got a, a proven quarterback like Will Howard and an offensive line like this, you're set up for success. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, in today's day and age of college football, it's not so much that we had these are guys that have been here for a while, you know, and, and it's you just don't see it anymore. You just don't see it anymore. Guys are going to the NFL, they're transferring, you know, you just don't see the kind of camaraderie anymore of the cohesiveness. And to be able to bring all of that back, uh, which is again another reason why I said. Don't expect a huge drop-off in the running game. Our offensive line is very good, very talented. Yeah, I am really excited to uh, see this group work. Um, there's a chance Cooper Beebe might swing out to right tackle at some points on Saturday, uh, but then they'll they'll slide in another young guy, Andrew Langang, Lane Gang, that is, uh, you know, really proven um, in, in terms of uh, they just really trust this young kid. Okay, defensively, Brian, uh, mm-hmm. Uso, uh, the big nose tackle, may or may not play. Um, they've lost Felix and UDK Uzama. My, my daily delivery on Wednesday was I feel like Khalid Duke, um, Brendan Mott, and Nate Matlack are going to have huge seasons. I mean, that rotation of three will keep them very effective at the defensive end spot. Yeah, it's, it's their turn. You know, K-State has had a run of defensive ends that, you know what, it's it's been the next man up. It's it's so it's their turn to be the stars uh, of of a pass rush, a defensive end position that goes a long way back, a long way back. Uh, And I think they have the the ability to be able to do that. Uh, Khalid Duke, I like him. Uh, I think he was a little bit out of position last year, Absolutely. you know, you know, playing and and trying to drop back in coverage. I don't think believe that's his game. I don't believe that's his game. I think getting after the quarterback every down or rushing, playing against the run, that is his game. Uh, I, I just believe that that he is set up to have a monster, monster season. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think that's what they're also expecting from Clint Duke. He, he just uh, really has a different gear. He wasn't able to show that last year at linebacker. A problem caused by the presence of the guys I just listed, yes. um, a- along with Felix, that there just wasn't enough snaps at defensive end, so they moved him back as he got healthy last season. But back at linebacker, you have Daniel Green, a, honestly a shocking return for a six-year. Uh, the coaches didn't see it. Heck, we, Brian, two years ago at Texas, we asked if he was going to go to the NFL. <laughs> And he surprised us by saying he would come back. Uh, and he came back again, and we all talked to him after the Sugar Bowl, and he sounded like he was done, but no, he decided to come back. I don't know how much he'll play in this game. He's been dinged up uh, also as they want to get him healthy for Troy and Missouri. And Austin Moore, the machine, is is also back at linebacker, another senior. And Desmond Purnell, who played as a freshman last year, undersized at that Sam linebacker spot, is now at 225. 
Uh, he looks the part much better. Uh, he said he put on 15 pounds of muscle, um, and he looks like a college linebacker now, which he didn't last season. But this group, along with a, I mean, you start with Jake Clifton as he, right. I think he's the backup of every position, uh, and a slew of young players that they're raving about, including freshmen. This group, Brian, could be outstanding. Yeah, I mean, you got, got to get athletes on the field. And that's the name of the game in college football, in any football these days. The more athletes that you can get out there that can tackle, the better that your defense is going to be. And I believe that K-State has that in guys that can run around and tackle people. So as long as you're able to do that, especially in the defense that we run, got to be able to move in space and you got to be able to get guys on the ground. I think K-State has that. Um, it'll be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to watch. I mean, this game, it is what it is, but I want to see a lot of guys playing, a lot of guys out there running around uh, and getting guys on the ground. I, I'm going to take the secondary as one group instead of breaking it up between the corners mm -hmm. and safeties. And, of course, there's five spots in the secondary with that three-man front. But I, I want to break it up that way because I want to talk about Jacob Parrish, one of the corners who you know is now going to be a starter in his sophomore year. And B.J. Payne, a sophomore out of Gainesville, Georgia, uh, who started some last year with the injuries on the backside. Uh, but he's been moved to the jack safety spot. It's a little bit different. But these are two true sophomores, Brian, who got thrown into duty as true freshmen and then found themselves on the field at the Sugar Bowl against Alabama um, uh, just playing excessive amount of snaps for right. uh, a true freshman in, in a game like that. Uh, I asked VJ at Tuesday's press conference how much things have changed. I mean, he was he was a wide-eyed freshman kid, you know, trying to find his way on the depth chart uh, to now being one of the team leaders. Same with Jacob Parrish. They got to grow up quick, don't they? They do. They do. that. But that's the name of the game in college football these days. You know, they get guys out there as quick as possible. First of all, it's invaluable experience what they yeah. got last year. Just invaluable experience. Uh, to be able to to get as many snaps as they did as true freshmen. But the one good thing for us is, you know, you go through an, an offseason, you get a little bigger, a little faster, the game will slow down for them tremendously. You know, the, the, and it's that when the game slows down, I know a lot of people, maybe they don't understand that. What I mean by is the game slowing down is what you see happens a lot slower. Even though the action is moving quicker, you see things happen, and it just happens a lot slower. You're like, okay, I know what's about to happen here. Number one, they know how to prepare because they're film study. You don't know how to prepare as a true freshman. You don't know what you're looking at in film. You're just out there. These guys will understand what they're seeing, what they're studying, um, and they will be better. Just by all that experience, they're going to be better, man. It's going to be good. It's a couple of question marks. I get it from last year. Not Maybe not as experienced as what we've had in the past, but again, playing all those snaps, I mean, you can't help but be better. Well, we will see if uh, they can't only evolve into experienced players, but leaders because they're needing them. Uh, the other part of the back end of this defense that I want to discuss is the fact that Kansas State has made the most of junior college and, and FCS and even FBS transfers. And the other three starting spots go to guys who are expected to be transfers. Well, are transfers, excuse me. Uh, Kobe Savage, of course, is back from injury. He came in last year from Tyler, Texas. 
And then the other spots will be Will Lee the third from Iowa Western at one corner spot, 6'3", rangy. They hope he can step right in as a Julius Brents-type player, uh, and he is a sophomore. And then, of course, the other transfer at free safety is Marcus Siegel, another North Dakota State guy comes in. Uh, he's out of Omaha. They know how to recognize talent on the back end, don't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a testament to the coaching staff. So, you know, the things that they're looking for, uh, they're going out and finding them. Uh, and, and again, whatever they, they, they want, they, they seem to be zeroing in on a certain type of football player to play these positions and they're going and getting them. That's one thing about the transfer portal that I love is because it doesn't matter where you're at. Look, you can come from anywhere that you want, junior college, FCS, uh, lower tier, you know, uh, uh, FBS, whatever it is, the bottom line, if you can play at Kansas State and you can play this position for us, we will get you in and we will give you an opportunity. Uh, and I love what they're doing. I love what these guys can bring to the table or will bring to the table. Um, it, it'll be a welcome site. I, I just like what the coaching staff does. Um looking for those type of players and putting them in and fitting them in. I mean, it doesn't happen that often that you can bring so many different guys and so many different pieces, but whatever they got cooked up in the complex, they're doing it right, man, because guys just fit right in and play and play well immediately. Yeah, it, it's really worked well. Joe compliments to Joe Klanderman and Chris Kleiman uh, and Van Malone for recognizing all of those traits that, that fit K-State football so well. I'll get into special teams with Ryan Wallace a little bit later in the show, but I just want to get your thoughts on what level of optimism you have coming into this season after coming off a Big 12 championship, uh, falling short in the Sugar Bowl. But this team seems to have a lot of key pieces. They're picked for second in the Big 12. I personally think they'll win the Big 12 again. Uh, but what's your level of optimism? Where do you think mm -hmm. this team will end up by season's end? Um, here's my level of optimism. I have said this from, I don't know, April on K state is going to be a good football team. We are going to be a really good football team and there is nothing wrong with having the expectations of being a good football team and then going out and meeting them. And I think that's what we are going to do. We're good. It's okay to be good and it's okay to act like we're good. And then it's okay to just go out there and beat people. I know a lot of people think, you know what, I, I want to come off, be under the radar, and we're not under the radar. You don't win the Big 12 and then go play in the Sugar Bowl and bring back 15 starters with your quarterback and your entire line and then be under the radar. Now, we kind of got ranked that way because if that's anybody else in the country, they're top 10 without question. So we kind of got ranked that way, preseason ranking, but that's okay, whatever. But we're not under the radar in the conference. So I think we should act that way, that we are one of the best teams and we are going to go out and beat you. And part of that and part of also getting the respect that we want is some of the tough games that are going to be on the schedule. Go win them. Go win the games. You know, there's there's, there's nothing that says, hey, you know what? This is a tough game for K-State. This is a game that they should lose. But then we go win it. No, go win the tough games. That's how you earn the respect. And I think this is one of those years where K-State is going to earn that respect. Uh, I'm not saying they're going undefeated. I'm not saying that, but I, I am saying that K-State's got a really, really good football team, and I think they're going to live up to those expectations. 
Amen. Big B has spoken. We will take his word as as testimony and that uh, everything will come true. <laughs> Brian, Absolutely. I appreciate it so much. You'll be joining us now on our new Insiders podcast yes. every Monday. Uh, it's kind of a post-game podcast with other topics. A uh, bunch of K-Staters sitting around talking about K-State sports every Monday. It'll probably drop on YouTube in the evening but or late afternoon, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thanks, as always, Fitz. And we have approached the first break on the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company on the other side of this break. Our Ryan Wallace will continue this breakdown of Kansas State heading into the first game of the season against Southeast Missouri State on Saturday night at the Bill. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Welcome back to the PowerCat podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. Ryan Wallace, as you can see if you're watching on YouTube, is standing by. But first, I need to tell you that the dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast, I'm trying to think of a car that fits your lifestyle, Wally, which is kind of like on the run constantly <laughs> doing something. Constantly. Maybe like have a children's catapult where you could just launch them towards whatever activity they're doing. Yeah. Whatever, whatever I need for that day, you know, we're getting into getting into the athletics world fits with the youngest. <laughs> and then you've got dance class and uh, it's, there's always something plus research for the SEMO Redhawks. Yes. Very good. Uh, I covered quite a bit, kind of did the roster analysis depth chart thing we did the other night with Brian Hanley in the first section of this podcast. So let's get into SEMO. Um, give me your overall thoughts on the Red Hawks. You know, it'll be, uh, I think it's a great test out of the gate for the Wildcats from the standpoint of um, th this isn't a team that I, I think strikes fear from, they're, they're not a North Dakota state FCS, right? Fitz? Um, there won't be a Chris Kleiman on this sideline except for the good guys. Right. Um, but it's a, it's a FCS team that I think brings back um, a, a good group and uh, a good group uh, from the standpoint too, of areas that will challenge K-State. Um, it, it shouldn't just be a complete cakewalk. Uh, I think offensively, their ground game is something that I think suits Kansas State great for the fact that we may not see an Uso in the middle and being able to see what Damian Alalio and, and Javon Banks can, can do against, uh, you know, a Remington Award winner at center for SEMO and, and uh, is it Zach, Zach Gig? Um, he's a fifth-year guy for SEMO, and so that's, that's a great test for them. Yeah. The rushing attack is great. Uh, because the tailback Geno Hess is special. Um, I think he's the all-time leader for touchdowns and rushing yards in SEMO program history. Um, he's a tank, and they're going to try and run it through him. And then defensively, um, I think it's a great opportunity for Will Howard and Keegan Johnson to really link up because uh, last season, SEMO was not very strong against the pass. That was this team's weak link, and – in the transfer portal, they end up losing one of their better kind of pure cover guys in Tyler Nellum to Kansas State. So I, I think that when you put it all together, it's a balanced team. It's a team that's going to challenge and be competitive with K-State. 
a team that K-State should beat and a team that I think K-State can maybe work on some areas heading into Troy, heading into Missouri. It's an intriguing matchup because, uh, you know, people still see that FCS label and think easy win. And there's Mm -hmm. two types of FCS teams. There's ones that are trying to find themselves and ones that know how to win. And that's what worries me the most about SEMO. And granted, Kansas State knows how to win too, but they come in with a great deal of confidence. They they know who they are. They know what defines them as a football program. Um, it, they're really talented for that level. When you come in with swagger, it's half the battle, you know. And and they're going to come in with a great deal of confidence. So I think it's incumbent on K State to get up early take command, make them break character to play from behind. Don't, don't fall in the trap, which Chris Kleiman has generally been really good about against FCS opponents. The traps have come against the non-Power 5 FBS opponents that we've seen, Arkansas State, and, of course, Tulane last year. Um, is this a team that K-State probably needs to jump on quickly? Yeah, absolutely. And – For one, I think it goes to what you said in the sense of uh, putting away a team that's still riding a lot of momentum. Remember, this is uh, the defending OVC champions. This is a team that um, was up late in the third quarter at Montana to go as far as SEMO had ever gone, and then they blew it. They they let Montana off the hook in the fourth quarter, um, and they didn't advance to the second round of the FCS uh, bracket. So this is a team that's really hungry, has a lot of motivation, and as I mentioned earlier, has a lot of pieces and brings back a lot. For for as much as I talk about their defense, you know, they bring back, I think it's like nine guys that have started six games or more last year at some point or another. Um, they, they bring back a lot of guys. Um, it, it's just on the, the weaker, deemed weaker side of the ball. But I think this is a, a absolutely a game that K-State wants to get out in, in, in front early. I think take the momentum away from SEMO, uh, prove to you know themselves and the fans that they are the defending Big 12 champs for a reason. They're getting that kind of love again for a reason. And also, Fitz, as I'm sure you guys mentioned earlier in the show, this is – I can't think of another year with K-State in week one where it was as imperative as it is going in on Saturday to see what your twos can do, to see what your threes can do. There's a lot of experimentation that still needs to be done because I don't think the schedule really allows for it. Um, Troy's going to be really good. Missouri, uh, the first road game at Missouri, you know, last game or last year, I think we, we saw what Kansas State can do against Missouri. I think they flex their muscles a little bit, but let's be honest, it, it was a, a downpour. You know, Missouri had some excuses. They return a lot. They should be better. Again, it's in their house. So point being, Fitz, that the, there's not a lot of room for error in this game, no. not only from the standpoint of, of again, giving SEMO any hope, but also keeping it close. They can't afford to keep it close. They need to dig deep in this rotation so that they can figure out who's going to shine on a Saturday and who needs a little bit more time. I think the most you know, telling quote of Tuesday's press conference with the players was Will Howard admitted to us that Colin Klein says – in meetings, we're going to score 50 every game. That's our goal. So that doesn't sound like the Bill Snyder portion of the the coaching, you know, ideas rubbed off totally. You know, Bill Snyder's out there trying to 
you know, show some stuff without doing anything. You know, <laughs> you know it got got to be ugly at the end. I think they're going to come out. And they're going to chuck it around. They're going to open up the playbook a little bit. And maybe it'll be things that they've showed in the past year in the playbook and save the new stuff if there, how much there is, I don't know, uh, and just show stuff they've, they've done in the past. I think that's a pretty good plan. But this team certainly is capable of putting up a lot of points. In a, but you're exactly right. When you look at this depth chart, you see a lot of sophomores and freshmen and true freshmen. Um, <laughs> it, they got to get these guys experience. They got to get them out there and in the mix and, and get the butterflies out. You know, BJ Payne talked about it, how he was so nervous in the opener last year. And then once he got going, he was fine. And we saw what he became and they've got kids on this roster who can um, newcomers that can contribute at the same level. I, I don't know. Uh, I wonder what your over under is on on true freshman playing in this game. Whew. Like off the top of my head, I, I it would be high. It, it's funny because you know, hearing Chris Kleiman's comments uh, this week when asked about the whole red shirt thing, and as you were talking about with Coach Snyder, you used to go into that inaugural kind of pregame press conference before the season kicked off, kind of wondering to yourself, is there going to be anybody that doesn't red shirt? on this team is that capable and now we hear from chris Kleiman. the vibe that i get now this year is is there going to be anybody that does red shirt of these freshmen and again you go back to the receiver room like you were talking about because there are some young receivers and, and that seems to be a position that chris Kleiman has talked about throughout fall camp is really wanting to see more there and also i think it's safety but Sticking with the offense here, because you were talking about scoring 50 points a game, which way out of character for Colin Klein, and I think unrealistic if we're being blat- yeah. bluntly, you know, honest, blatantly honest. Um, but I, I do think, again, with this particular matchup, this is a great opportunity because, again, that is the weak link. I think if you look at the depth chart for SEMO, uh, there's a, a corner named Ty Leonard um, that'll play their field corner. Uh, they'll probably, just because of his experience, try and match him up with a Keegan Johnson. But really beyond him in that secondary, you've got Lawrence Johnson, who has gained some preseason All-American buzz. But he's more of that creep-up safety, get in the box, active. I mean, he'll intercept a pass or two. But I think he's more of a Kobe Savage. He's more of a, a Reggie Stubblefield kind of guy in a bigger frame. He wants to come into the box and be a big, active tackler which leaves Eric Ivory and Henry Pickens uh, as the other kind of two counterparts uh, in the secondary. And they're both, you're looking at two sophomores uh, that don't have a lot of experience. So again, getting up early on this team, letting Will Howard air it out, which again is not something we're accustomed to in week one. This is the chance to do it. And also this is the secondary to do it against. Hopefully Keegan Johnson can do what Xavier Hutchinson did against SEMO in Iowa State's opener last year where I want to say it was something like seven catches for well over 100 yards and three touchdowns. Keegan does that. You can get him off the field, start to sprinkle in some of these freshmen, some of these sophomores, juniors, walk-ons. Um, this is the opportunity to do that. They have to do it, Fitz. And um, I do think it, it gives – it should give fans a little bit of confidence that we will see that type of game plan because of what Will Howard said about Colin Klein and what Colin has been saying to this offense I think the, you don't go out and say we want to score 50 and then come out in week one and run something vanilla. I, I, I get the sense Saturday it might not be everything in the kitchen sink, but it'll be 
half of it. Yeah, I think he's going to go for it. I mean, he's got a new toy in the in the backfield. Keegan Johnson receiver Ben Sennett now is he was we didn't really talk. We didn't know Ben Sennett very well at the start of last season. Sure, and, and that's what I love about how. Kansas State football, if it's Snyder or climbing, how the season unveils, we start finding these kids. Oh, yeah, he was a walk-on. You know, I mean, it's just insane how many players provide incredible production in this program who were lowly recruited, lowly rated, or walk-on straight up, um, and they continue to do it. And, and I mean, you look at Jack Fabris. We just thought yeah. he was kind of a, a legacy in the fact that his dad coached here for a while, but there he is. He's on the depth chart as a true freshman. It's, it's absolutely amazing how this staff has kind of replicated the ability to find the developmental players that Kansas state needs and guys that, you know, maybe others miss on that. Felix Anya Dick Ozama, nobody wanted him. He's ready to be a student in Missouri um, and not play football. I mean, it's incredible. Thank you, Connor Riley. Thank yeah. you, Connor Riley. And these coaches <laughs> and these guys. It's and I'm anxious to see who rolls out there and you know turns our head in game one because they're going to have some opportunities if they can get up on them. Yeah, and again, you, you led me into one other topic that I, I thought about that I didn't mention off the top. When I again talking about how this is a good game plan for for K State coaches to really see what they've got. The area that I, I haven't touched on yet is K State's secondary which obviously, as I mentioned earlier with Chris Kleiman, seems to be outside of wide receiver. That seems to be the area. He's talked about safety. I'm going to open it up and include corners myself. Uh, that I don't want to say is an area of concern, but it's definitely the area on both sides of the ball across the roster for K-State where you're kind of going, what do we have here? How good can this group really be? Again, a worthy opponent on Saturday with SEMO because – they're going to bring in two starting wide receivers that go over 6'2", 205 pounds. You've got Ryan Flournoy, who uh, is a Juco product out of Iowa Western and was, uh, I believe, their leading receiver uh, up until he got to SEMO last year, became one of SEMO's best deep threats. Um, and again, just a big body. Um, you look at uh, what their depth charts has him at 6'2", uh, well, their depth chart says 290. That's a that's a mistake. I believe it's 210. And then they'll couple him on the other side with Demarie Vick, who's a Missouri State uh, transfer that Simo got last year as well. He's a senior at 6'3", So it's a great challenge for a guy like Jacob Parrish to not only see how he covers against bigger targets. We saw it a little bit la at the end of last year. Um, but also, you know, how Will Lee can match up head-to-head -head with a guy his size and also how K-State secondary can get her off blocks because that's one of the greatest assets that SEMO has to their rushing attack is that you've got a running back like Geno Hess that loves to run off tackle in addition to behind Zach Gig, his All-American center. Um, but he loves to get outside because he's got the receivers that can win blocks outside. Great, great test for Jacob Parrish, for Will Lee, Kobe Savage, and on down the line in the secondary to see – you know, how they can come up and stick stick the run in addition to covering guys that are, you know, equipped to go up and win the tough contested catch. Okay. Kansas State's up, I don't know, four touchdowns, middle of the third quarter. Time to take Will Howard out. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Who goes on the field? 
I think I'm going to disagree a little bit with, I think, the consensus on the podcast. I do think they will roll out Jake Rubley in this game. If it's purely, we're going to, you know, if, if it's purely a game where if they're going to get Jake Rubley in the game because it's getting out of hand, it's probably going to get out of hand to the point where they also are going to bring Avery Johnson in too. Right. And so for this particular game, I could see them going with Jake Rubley and almost kind of doing a, a ping pong or, you know, whether it's in and out with, between him and Avery Johnson or you've got two and then we'll do Avery for two sessions or what have you, two series. Uh, I think that's maybe what they would do in this case. If we're talking about a horrendous Jesse Ertz, right, type of season opening injury, then I will side with you. I think they would go Avery Johnson in that case. Either way, we will see Avery. We have to see Avery on Saturday. I don't care if it's just for a series. This The fans need it. The fans want it. And I think the coaches really want to see, is he really a, a gamer? And I think he is. And I'll reference back to what Chris Kleiman talked about at signing day, the early signing day press conference when he brought up I think someone asked what Avery Johnson's like best quality or what Chris Kleiman really liked about Avery Johnson. And you expect him to say, oh, his athletic ability, you know, his leadership, something along those lines. And it was, he's competitive. He brought up the fact, I think that on one of his visits or something, he doesn't like to lose at like table tennis, ping pong. He, he, he wants to be the fastest eater. Like everything is competitive to Avery Johnson. I think he'll shine um, on Saturday. Unlike, probably other freshmen would in his situation getting out there in front of the bright lights. But to answer your question, I will say it'll be Jake Rubley. If it's just because things are getting out of hand, if it's an injury, I think it's Avery Johnson. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I can see the coaches doing exactly what you say. Even if they feel like Avery's their number two, to honor Jake Rubley's you know, time he's put in and his turn, we're going to give you some a couple series here to see what you got. Um, I, I will be watching that as intently as anything on Saturday. <laughs> so many things to learn about this team. They, they return a lot of pieces from a Big 12 championship team, and yet I feel like we really don't know the identity of this team because two players so defined what they did on both sides of the ball, and now they're gone. Um, and I don't think it's those are fatal losses. I just think they have to redefine themselves, and I'm fascinated to see how they, in fact, do redefine themselves. Yeah, it's crazy that we're not talking. I mean, we have. It's not that we're not at all. We're not ignoring the fact, but it it is a little odd, Fitz, that like all all week long we've touched on him, but not a lot of buzz about the Big Twelve preseason newcomer of the year offensive newcomer in Trayshawn Ward. Yep. I mean, it's like there's so many other pieces that everybody is equally as excited about that a guy like Trayshawn Ward, I don't want to say gets left behind, but just, yeah, you know, he's good. <laughs> well, we're excited to see him too. Um, but that that tells you the pieces that this offense has coming back and also tells you about, I think, the intrigue into Keegan Johnson, into the development of, of R.J. Garcia into seeing senior, uh, well, what is he, super senior, Philip Brooks. Um, that has kind of taken control and, and command of the, of the fan boards and the topics with fans heading into this game. But super, super pumped to see Treshawn Ward. I, I think um, 
everything that you, you see on tape from him at Florida State is going to electrify K-State fans in a similar way that we saw from Deuce Vaughn. I, I feel like one of the reasons why we don't talk about him is he's so much more a known commodity than most transfers Kansas State gets. This dude sure. can play. He's not Deuce Vaughn, but he will replicate some of the things. And um, I think he and DJ Giddens are going to be dynamite together. I think we're going to – I think Zach Carlson on our staff has been exactly right. That We're going to see a little bit more running back rotation going back to, you know, 2019 sure. before Deuce showed up. Um, and we might even, you know, see a third guy. We don't know. We'll find out. So much to find out, Wally. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I appreciate it very much. Busy day for you. But uh, cat football, <laughs> I mean, it's we're like what uh, as we tape this, we're three sleeps away, and I think that's really yeah. what's important is the sleeps. And and Fitz, we might get some recruiting news out of Saturday, just because we'll have recruits in the building. Um, things have been so dormant; we're still we're still waiting on some guys. So uh, it'll be it'll be nice to have something to talk about in the recruiting uh, world and in that realm, other than. Grant Bricks and Michael Boganowski, but you never know. Wouldn't surprise me if either one of those guys show up on Saturday too. You never know, but either way, I'm excited to possibly be able to talk about recruiting and finishing out this 24 class. That's, that's your main gig with us. This is the side gig of the side gig <laughs> that you, you do analysis for us and it's very helpful, but you are all over recruiting with Cole Carmody and we appreciate it very much. Thanks Fitz. We are off to break now. We've got uh, our good friend, Ryan Gilbert, standing by to talk about the spreads and all of that good betting stuff. Shame, shame, you sinners. But we are uh, getting towards the end of this podcast, and we're sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Welcome back to the Power Cat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company as we head into our final segment uh, and our second attempt to do this. But that's okay, Ryan. That's okay. I forgot to do the read anyhow, so we had to redo it anyhow. At Robbins Motor Company, they strive during lifetime business and build relationships selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company title sponsor of the power cat pregame podcast. Not bad. Not bad. Ryan Gilbert joins us now to talk about, uh, the, the odds and, uh, everything going on in the big 12 this week. Of course, K state has no odds out there. Uh, we'll make something up or do something. I, I got a little plan for you, Gilbert. I got, I know what I'm doing here. Um, but first of all, I want to explain that, uh, I am really torn. I've ordered Ryan Gilbert a light that will arrive tomorrow. Uh, so this doesn't happen, but I'm kind of thinking, Ryan, this where you really not invisible might be better for the viewers. Yeah, you can just shut off my video. People would like that a lot better. Yeah, like maybe put up uh, a dog's butt. Sure, dudes or Daphne's. Oh, that'd be nice. They're cute. Those are cute. We, we want to include them at some point, don't we? They're in here, so they might make an appearance at some point. Let's get on <laughs> with this. Amazon package doesn't come. <laughs> yeah, don't doubt. Let's get on with this. Picking of games, I've given you five Big 12 games not involving K-State. There's so many games off the book and such horrible lines. I included one horrible line in here just because I want to discuss something. But let's start with probably the biggest game in the conference, or at least on a national. Fox will be there. 
live and in person with their big noon kickoff. It's Colorado at TCU, a future Big 12 game starting next year, maybe. TCU is a 20.5 point favorite. In other words, they're a three touchdown favorite. What do you think of this? I, I want to start off just by saying that oh. TCU, you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I'm worried about I, what you're going to say. I, I, you know, TCU, I think, is going to take a step back. I think we all know that to what degree that's the question. But that being said, I'm not a believer in this Colorado team at all. I'm not buying into the hype of of Deion Sanders quite yet. I got to see some stuff on the field before I can buy in. You know, these two teams met last year and TCU very comfortably won that game. And so TCU may have a little bit of a step back this year, but I don't think Colorado's going to give them much of a test. TCU was very good against the spread, um, 10 and four and one last year against the spread. Colorado was two and 10 uh, when it came to, to betting against the spread. So I like TCU here, yeah. but who knows? Maybe Colorado goes and shocks the world. It would definitely shock me in my part of the world because it would shock me. Um, I should also mention that there's a if you're a Big 12 fan, you get to watch your first Big 12 game of the year, which is Thursday night, which tonight as this releases on FS1 Kent State at UCF, where the Knights are just kicking us off here. It's kind of nice. And then uh, that team from Kansas that was okay last year should be pretty good this year. Plays host to Missouri State on Friday night. That game's on ESPN Plus. So they they moved it to Friday to get their own time slot, and they're on ESPN Plus. I, I don't understand that, but here we go. Here's the spread that I shouldn't have included, but I did. It's Arkansas State at Oklahoma. Oklahoma's a 35-and-a-half-point favorite, 35.5. The Book thinks they're going to win by more than five touchdowns. Now, I don't know much about Arkansas State, but this has been a respectable program um, for the, you know, the non-Power 5 level. I feel like this spread is based on the helmet, not the team. I feel like this spread is about Oklahoma being Oklahoma and not really about the quality of this team. Because I think Oklahoma is not great, <clears throat> but they have an easy schedule, and this is one This is one of their more challenging games, maybe, on that early part of their schedule. What do you think about the spread? I think it's way too much. I'd take the Red Wolves all, the day, all day on this one. Yeah, and this game's on ESPN, so there's going to be a lot of degenerates that are going to be tuning in, and, oh, I'll just bet on Oklahoma. You know, this is a team that I'm familiar with. So this is another one of those tricky games, though, where – you never know what's going to happen. If it is a 28, 30 point lead for the Sooners, what directions do these teams go? So what can happen in the fourth quarter with backups and reserves? It's not one that I would love to bet on, but yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the name on the front of the Jersey is what's helping out Oklahoma here. This game's on ESPN. I didn't. Why? I mean, again, if it wasn't Oklahoma, this game wouldn't be on. Uh, but you know, they are a blue blood. Uh, on to the next game. I'm intrigued by this. Texas Tech's opening on the road at Wyoming. Not Wyoming's very good, but it's only a 14.5-point spread in favor of Texas Tech. I feel like the Red Raiders are going to win this by like 17 or more. I, I'm confident the Red Raiders are good this year. What do you What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. It seems like one of those that's just too good to be true. Obviously, there is some respect for Wyoming. When you look at the line, people are betting on them. 
Um, but, you know, Fitz, I think, is a pretty popular sort of opinion. Uh, hot take right now to say Texas Tech is a dark horse team in the Big 12. And so, you know, I think a lot of people have high hopes for them. I do. I, I know you probably you know feel the same as well. But we don't know much about Nevada. But just looking at the spread, maybe that does tell you something about, okay, maybe we should take this team seriously. But I agree on paper. Just looking at it, you know, just Texas Tech seems like the easy pick. But you never know. You said Nevada, it's Wyoming. Does it matter? Sorry? Yeah, you said uh, Nevada, not Wyoming. No, excuse me. Same thing, right? Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Here's here's actually a really good game, and this is the only one of the newcomers as four new teams kick off their first season. The Big 12 this season that I've included on this week's picks UTSA, which has been a pretty pretty solid program, is at Houston. Uh, UTSA is a two-point favorite on the road. This is a huge game for Dana Holgerson's program. Not only are you opening against a non-Power 5 at home and you're the underdog, but it's an in-state school. I mean, this is a bad luck if they lose this game um, and I think they might. What do you think? You can look at this two ways. Obviously, Houston's joining the Big 12, and this is game number one as a member of the new conference. And so, hey, they can be jacked up, ready to go, you know, giving it their all. But they are underdogs, right? On the other hand, okay, the the real conference game isn't until week three against TCU. So are they going to be focused on this game against UTSA? Or are they going to be focused on that game against TCU coming up in a few weeks, right? So if they're focused and locked in, it should be a great game. But you can't look ahead to to the bigger games on your schedule. I know that they're going to be really excited and pumped to be in the Big 12. But, you know, climbing, everybody, every program says this one game at a time. You can't look ahead on the schedule. Yep. No, no doubt about it. The, the one I'm most interested in, I don't even know what it's being broadcast on, uh, West Virginia at Penn State. Um, where is that game? on this list. It is on NBC. It's on NBC. Oh, that's right. The Big Ten has NBC. Wow. Okay, yeah. this game's on NBC, and uh, the Nittany Lions are, again, a 20.5 point favorite. So, like we started off with Colorado TCU, uh, they are a three-touchdown favorite over West Virginia. Look, I think West Virginia is down. I think it's going to take a while to find themselves. But I got a feeling they're not going to lose by 21 at Penn State. I mean, this is this is an opportunity to make a statement, <clears throat> and they will make a statement. Either they're really bad and they get their ass kicked, or they're actually better than what we think, and they make this game competitive. Thoughts? Sure. You took the words right out of my mouth. We're going to find out a lot about this West Virginia team. I think a lot of people are surprised that Neil Brown is still around right now. I think we thought that his leash, you know, even after that K-State loss, people were saying, okay, is this another – is this another coach that K-State's going to get fired from a defeat? But he's still around. Some circumstances with you know the AD and all that stuff kind of went in his favor. Here in game number one, this is a chance for him, like you said, Fitz, to prove that, hey, maybe he does deserve this job. But also, I can absolutely see it being a blowout. I can see Penn State just blowing them out of the, out of the building. If West Virginia wins this game, I'm going to apologize to Neil Brown publicly. Um, I... I don't know what to expect from West Virginia. The the West Virginia folks are very optimistic. Uh, That's kind of their nature. They live in West Virginia. Um, But uh, it's, I, 
I just don't see them winning this game. Let's get to the Cats. That's why everyone's listening. Southeast Missouri State, forever known as SEMO, which I kind of love, uh, is at K-State. There is no spread since SEMO is an FCS-level program. So here's the question I pose to you, Ryan Gilbert, our shadow figure gambling expert. What would be the number that would put you into betting conflict where you didn't know if you wanted to bet SEMO or K-State? I think you got to go with the key number. So 17, 21, 24, 28, you know, mm-hmm. and then I think you got to give K-State that half point or excuse me, you, you give SEMO the half point right. and, and, you know, betting talks. So I think 24 and then a half point makes it fair um, to, to bet, to bet on either side. So 24 and a half. That's interesting. I, I honestly don't know. We, of course, on my show, the drive, and we do also do picks. What did we do on uh what was our number we picked for the drive in our picks this week? 23 and a half? So, 24 yeah. Okay. Well, that's it. The Cats are going to win? Yes. Will but, the Cats cover that number you just said? Right. I <laughs> think it'll be a little bit of a closer game than maybe some think. Yeah. We've talked that's about good. this in Fitz. The entire non-conference slate, there is no gimme game on the – on the slate and it, it starts with SEMO. K State's gonna, you know, gonna get a win. Chris Kleiman knows what, you know, FCS opponents are about and how, you know, good coaching can beat a team that might be more talented, right? North Dakota State came to Manhattan and did that. Arkansas State, I know that's not you know F FCS, but but still. So it should be a competitive game. I think, you know, SEMO's gonna do enough to keep it close. So I, I do in this artificial spread that we are creating, I do like SEMO to cover that, but K-State's not going to lose this game, right? No, no, I, no. but again, I'm warning everyone, SEMO is a good FCS program. Uh, an FCS program that can beat a lot of Power Fives if they you know, line up with the right teams, um, but they're not going to win in Manhattan. A little sneak peek for our listeners here. Our behind enemy lines piece that'll go up on Thursday as well. If you're listening to this, you can probably find it on Go Powercat. I spoke with a beat reporter covering SEMO, and he said that this might be the best uh, team that SEMO's had in its program history. So they're they're legit. Wow, he's optimistic, right? That's a lot to say. This is the best video version of the Powercat podcast uh, we've ever had in history. Be better if I was just black screen. Yeah, I think it kind of looks like you're in witness protection. Like, like they're t- we're trying to protect your identity. You're in the shadows, but you yep. turn your head and we're like, that's Ryan Gilbert. I know who that is. Thank you, buddy. Much appreciated. You can check out all of Gilbert's work over at GoPowerCat.com. Like he works. We appreciate Ryan Gilbert for joining us on the PowerCat pregame podcast. You'll have Ryan here every week to give you the breakdown of the odds. When we get into conference play, he will do every game we're just picking select ones for now again we appreciate robin's motor company for being our sponsor of the power cap pregame podcast which is now available on youtube and your favorite podcast feed and of course it's always available at gopowercat.com 50 percent off right now at gpc if you want to subscribe please think about it that's a great deal on some great k-state coverage because if you enjoy our videos and all the other stuff we do that's out there in the public domain. We also have some great stuff behind the paywall for our VIPs and to get you into the club of being able to ask questions. 
on our podcasts or interact with the staff. Appreciate you listening so much. And we're going to wrap this up as we have for a few seasons now with my one thing to watch, something that I'll be watching out for throughout the course of this game. And uh, I think you might want to keep an eye on it. Not that you need to be told this, but take a roster, have your roster ready, make sure that roster lists seasons so you know who exactly are the true freshmen, the incoming guys. And that is going to be a great spread. Maybe we should have set that with Ryan Gilbert. What's the over-under on true freshmen seeing the field against SEMO? Five? Seven? And it's not just guys playing offense and defense. It'll be those that come out on the field in special teams. This has been a really impactful recruiting class in practice for Kansas State. Does that translate to the field? I think it probably will. We'll find out. Southeast Missouri State and Kansas State, 6 p.m., Bill Snyder Family Stadium on Saturday. And the game is televised on streaming ESPN+. Plus. If you don't have ESPN+, Plus, you might want to get it. It's going to be pretty essential for every Big 12 fan. Well, I appreciate you listening or watching to this first ever YouTube version of our PowerCat pregame podcast. And we'll be back next week with the same cast. As we preview K-State and Troy, first things first, it's the Cats and Simo at the Bill. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.